Hello and welcome to another episode of Burvey Sports Block with your host Mike Burvey. Today we will be discussing the NBA trade deadline, a splash trade in the world of baseball, and touch on the birth of the XFL. As always, this episode will wrap up with the state of Iowa address, followed by what's happening in Chicago and Denver. Let's get to it. A lot of action happened this past week in the NBA uh, beyond what happened on the court. As many of you know, the NBA trade deadline took place and it came and went on Thursday. Several big names were uh, found new homes and some of them I just wanted to touch on. One of the first ones that was a pretty interesting trade to say the least, was the Houston Rockets sending Clint Capella to the Atlanta Hawks. Now, Capella has had a lot of success in Houston. I mean, he's he does so much for them, or at least he did do a lot for the Rockets. He was a consistent threat down low. He wasn't really injury prone, and that's pretty big considering how important his position is in the game and how much of a veteran he's looked up to be. So what was Houston thinking by sending away one of the best big men in the game? It's now been well stated from multiple sources and even the coaches on the Rockets that they've turned to small ball, basically resulting in a lot of guard play and not a whole lot of big... uh, centers. The Young Hawks, in turn, will get a veteran in Capella who will be able to contribute in multiple ways, like I mentioned he did with Houston, as they begin to find a more consistent identity. Certainly this was an interesting move by the Rockets, and even more so because they always seem to find a way to fail when it comes to the playoffs. I don't know how they do it. They have so many stars, uh, maybe too many stars. They tried to make one of those super teams and it just hasn't worked out. I mean, Harden was with Chris Paul for a while and they also had Capella and they had other guys that were contributing. They just couldn't get over the hump. And now they have Westbrook with Harden And that hasn't always equaled success. I mean, since trading away Capella, the Rockets have endured a couple of really tough losses. The biggest one they took on the chin was to the Phoenix Suns, who, let's be honest, are not one of the better teams in the NBA. But, I mean, maybe they decided to change their approach and see if that ends up working in their favor. Another big guy who was traded... Also, an interesting trade nonetheless, was Andre Drummond being sent from the Detroit Pistons to the Cleveland Cavaliers. He just had his debut with the Cavs this past night, and he grabbed another double-double in the season, finishing with 19 points and 14 boards. Regardless, they were blown out by the Clippers. This was an interesting move, considering that the Cavs have a veteran already in Tristan Thompson, who was doing pretty darn well to start off the season. Thompson was finding consistent ways to be one of the best centers 
in the game this season. I mean, recently he he had a little bit of uh, he was sidelined for a little bit with some injury, but overall, I mean, I didn't really see this as a needed move by the Cavs. They're trying to get into the playoffs for sure. They're hovering right around that line right now. And the biggest surprise of all is the fact that Drummond is going to be most likely a free agent this summer. He's set to enter free agency at least. It's whether or not the Cavs decide to pick him up. But it's also interesting to see that Detroit was willing to give him away for a very little return, to say the least. Another big name, or a couple big names actually, that were swapped in trades was was D'Angelo Russell from the Warriors being sent to Minnesota. In turn, Andrew Wiggins was sent from Minnesota to the Warriors. I would say this was one of the bigger trades so far this season. Both of those teams have been struggling mightily. The Warriors have been amassing future draft picks, and it looks like they're going to try to start revamping their team to surround Clay and Steph with more playmakers. D'Angelo Russell was one of those few stars left that was playing consistently night in and night out, dropping anywhere from 30 to 40 points per game. I mean, he was a big splash when he was acquired from the Brooklyn Nets before this season began, and now he's with yet another team. Interesting move, but I think both teams win this trade in their own way. Andrew Wiggins, um, you know, had a really good start to the NBA. He's not really tailed off per se, but he's also been surrounded by guys like Carl Anthony Towns and some other younger up-and-coming stars as well. So he hasn't really had to contribute quite as much. Speaking of those Warriors, I mentioned they're amassing draft picks. They got even more future stock by trading away the likes of Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson III. Those guys were another pair of studs this season for the Warriors. They basically have now accepted their fate and are looking to better themselves beyond this season, or so it seems. It's crazy to think of a team that was just going through a dynasty mode, who was winning titles, who rarely lost at home, who was routing teams left and right. Now they're in tank mode. Just because of a few injuries, I mean, granted it's Clay and Steph and Draymond Green was hurt for a time and KD left, they're basically super depleted. But to consider going from first to worst, nobody saw that coming. Finally, the last trade I'm going to hit on is Shabazz Napier ending up in Washington. Originally, he was sent down to Denver in in a five or uh, a 12 player trade between three teams. 
but just when it seemed that Denver had added some crucial depth for their hopeful postseason run, they wound up trading Napier away. Why? I don't know, but essentially, the Nuggets held on to him for a short spell, then ended up sending him to D- to D.C. in exchange for Jordan McRae. I don't know a whole lot about McRae, but looking at the numbers that Napier was putting up in the last week or two with the T-Wolves seems like a very interesting move, especially considering the fact that depth is crucial when it comes to the playoffs. And right now the Nuggets definitely are eyeing the playoffs. It doesn't seem like there's any way possible that they would miss out on the playoffs, but they do have their own history, like I mentioned with Houston earlier, of finding ways to fail when it comes to the playoff season. This seemed like an interesting option, considering Napier, as I said, was just starting to consistently contribute for Minnesota before being shipped away down to Denver and eventually ending up in D.C. Now, the rest of the season, definitely going to lead to a lot of excitement, especially down the stretch and as we get closer to the playoffs. There's going to be no shortage of big names being moved around this summer, but this NBA trade, trade deadline ended up just being a minor tease. I can't wait to see what happens with the likes of you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo and other big names like that. Uh, see if they find other homes or just interested to see how much they're going to amass in capital, as in like how much they're going to get paid. And they all deserve what they're going to end up signing their contracts for. But it's going to be interesting because there's a lot of drama that always surrounds it to see the fan reaction, like when LeBron left Cleveland, going down to Miami, and then fans burned his jersey, and then he went back to Cleveland, and they welcomed him, then he went to LA. I mean, it's going to be interesting to say the least, and the fun is just starting to get just beginning with the NBA. It's going to be an interesting second half of the season. Baseball season may not begin for another month or two, but that didn't stop a huge trade from going down this past week, actually just getting finalized as of yesterday. The trade I'm referring to is Mookie Betts and David Price being sent to Los Angeles for the Dodgers specifically, in return, the Red Sox are getting Alex Verdugo, a shortstop, and a catcher. Now, that doesn't seem like a really fair trade, quote-unquote fair. Um, It's interesting, and plus the Red Sox are paying for half of the contract that David Price is still under. So really, the Red Sox aren't getting anything, almost, and the Dodgers ended up winning this trade. Now, this is probably a huge thing for Dodgers fans, because they're sick and tired of not being able to 
make it to the World Series. I don't know if this is going to make that big of a difference. However, they were going to send one of their best pitchers, Kenta Maeda, to the Minnesota Twins. However, that portion of the deal ended up falling through. So in essence, the Dodgers hang on to one of their better pitchers. They get at least what used to be an ace in David Price. And then they get a pretty uh, young but really talented Mookie Betts to add to their roster. The Dodgers basically just got a little more stacked when it comes to outfielders combining Betts with Cody Bellinger, Jock Peterson, A.J. Pollock, Chris Taylor, and Enrique Hernandez. Whether or not it pays off, we have yet to find out, considering, like I said, the MLB season doesn't even start for another couple of months. Dodgers fans should be happy, though, and maybe they're going to finally get over the hump. As for the Red Sox, things just got a little bit tougher with the allegations surrounding Alex Cora and him being not fired. I mean, he left on his own terms, so to speak, but losing bets and price definitely doesn't help um, their hopes for this season in trying to return as AL East champions, and they're probably not even going to make it to the World Series in the next couple of seasons. But again, anything can happen. The season hasn't even started yet. After seeing the likes of the AAF come about and fail, I will regard the XFL as an experiment. So far, I've read a lot of mixed reviews about the rebirth of the XFL. Personally, I'm all for it because you can never really have too much professional football. The league also gives more players the opportunity to continue playing after college I mean, if there's somebody in particular that you were kind of bummed out about seeing not being drafted in the NFL or even given a shot, then it's kind of cool to see him have a chance with the XFL. Granted, this was also true about the AAF before it went bankrupt early and ended up folding. I think that the XFL could also be considered a chance for some guys to audition for the NFL. I mean, surely NFL scouts would be keeping their eyes on certain talent if they were making headlines. I think it would be pretty silly for them not to. Imagine, you know, they need a guy or they have some roster openings or something. They could basically bring on one of these guys for cheaper and have them more so for practice squad or for depth purposes. Granted, these two leagues don't overlap or anything, so there would still be time in between when the XFL concludes and the NFL season beginning again. But then again, there's also like training camps and mini camps happening in the summer. So it'd be perfect for those guys to 
stay involved, so to speak. Unfortunately, I didn't really get a chance to watch any of the games over the weekend, so I can't comment on any of that. Overall, though, it's exciting to see more football being played in what could be considered a lull in the sports world. I mean, there's obviously still sports happening, like college basketball, the NBA, the NHL. But honestly, college basketball will take over next month with March Madness, along with all the other um, postseason tournaments, as does the beginning of spring training for baseball, along with playoff pushes in the NBA and NHL. Until then, there's still plenty of time for football, which is pretty awesome considering it's one of America's sports. People crave to watch it. They always There's several people who always complain about, oh, now I have to wait X amount of months until football's back. Well, this is a short-term solution to that problem. And I hope the XFL ends up being successful and doesn't end up folding like the AAF did. And now for a regular segment with the State of Iowa address, starting with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Oof, talk about a route. The Hawkeyes have been rolling this season, but Purdue put a jolt in their system by steamrolling Iowa in a 104-68 win. It was only one of a handful of times the Hawks have been held to 70 points or less this season, and the second time they'd given up over 100 points. Don't blame Luka Garza. He still poured in 26 points for Iowa. He's such a beast. I mean, if they took him out of the game, that would be one thing, but he still made his impact known. I would consider this a freak loss, considering Purdue was on fire from deep. Putting it mildly, they hit 19 trays compared to Iowa's 6. Certainly lit a fire under the Hawks, though, as they responded with a 96-72 thrashing of Nebraska as uh, Iowa got yet another win over Fred Hoiberg. Iowa still remains in the top five in the Big Ten, just one and a half games behind Maryland, with plenty of games remaining. The Hawks will be on the road facing Indiana and Minnesota this week. Couple of chances to get another couple of conference wins, but it will not be easy. Turning to Iowa State, finally, I can say something positive about Iowa State again. Call it what you will, but a win's a win. I don't care if it was against one of the bottom-tier teams in the conference. It's still a win. Those things have been hard to come by this season. Even more importantly, they put it together a pretty decent game in front of their home fans. I mentioned that wins have been hard to come by, but worse yet, there's been little to no home advantage when they play at Hilton. I mean, everybody always talks about Hilden Magic. Hilden's one of the toughest places to play in the nation. They're not wrong, but this season has been an anomaly. 
I've already accepted the fact that Iowa State will see their season end earlier than usual, barring some sort of miracle. On a side note, some former Cyclones have found success in the NBA. Mario Shayok hit his first three-point attempt last week, and Matt, the Iceman Thomas, knocked down three triples for the Raptors over the weekend. There's several other guys that have all been finding a lot of success in the NBA, like George Niang, Abdul Nader, etc. It's just great to see those guys still finding success at the professional level. If UNI doesn't get ranked inside the top 25, there should be anarchy. Sure, the Panthers don't have the strongest strength of schedule, but they've been winning nearly every night. UNI has yet to lose at home with a 13-0 record, and recently they eclipsed the 20-win mark this season. Currently, they own a 21-3 record. I remember when 20 wins was basically a guarantee of making the NCAA tournament, or at least getting ranked. The Panthers deserve to be recognized for what they've done. Again, they've played a ton of tough, they haven't played a ton of tough opponents, but there's very few teams who have three losses or less across the board. UNI still only has a game lead on Southern Illinois, so it's not locked up by any means. But they're looking to add some separation this week when they host Illinois State in hopes of keeping that perfect record alive and then traveling to Loyola for a game with huge implications. Their most recent win came against the Drake Bulldogs, and those Bulldogs let what would have been a huge upset slip away. Drake played UNI for the first time this season over the weekend, and they even held a late lead. Not like that was terribly surprising considering it's basically a state rivalry, but still, I mean, with what you and I has been able to accomplish this season, it was interesting to see them down that late in a game. The Panthers did eventually pull away, and the Bulldogs finished cold with a 10-point loss. Drake is now sitting at 500 in the conference play and four games back of you and I. As long as they finish middle of the pack, which they're just about in currently, the Bulldogs might have a chance to make a run at Arch Madness next month. Drake will face Missouri State and a very free-falling Evansville squad this week in hopes of climbing back into the thick of things as the season begins to wind down. The Chicago Bulls didn't make any trades during the trade deadline. I'm guessing that's because they had nobody worth trading. The only thing that's more of a common occurrence of the Bulls failing to live up to any expectations is seeing the fan base demanding guard packs be removed. The management of the Bulls has been atrocious the past few years. Even if Chicago ends up making the cut to get into the playoffs, they somehow get stomped and embarrassed. Not to mention the ridiculous amount of injuries nearly everyone has sustained. Whether it be ankle injuries or 
back injuries. I mean, it's not load management type types of things. It's little tweaks, but they add up. I know that other teams have had the same fates with their players, but it's just inexcusable. I read that Laurie Markkinen wasn't fully healthy, and yet they insisted on playing him, and look what happened. Now he's sidelined for another few weeks with a, a more aggressive injury. Some other star players have also been on the shelf for some time in Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter Jr. Really, the only bull that hasn't been hurt is Zach Levine. I mean, if he were to go down, then, you know, kiss any hopes of making the playoffs goodbye. That's a big reason why the Bulls have been absolutely abysmal to watch. I've never really been one for tank mode, and even when Chicago tries that, they end up failing somehow. I mean, this past draft lottery before the um, draft leading up to the 2019-2020 season, the Bulls were in tank mode last season. They didn't even get a pick in the top five. That's just embarrassing. They might as well clean house with management and work from there. Can't get much worse, can it? And finally, turning to Denver, I wanted to just touch on the Broncos really quick, now that the NFL season is over. Of course, the Broncos have been done for some time now, as has most of the league, because they were all elim- most of them were eliminated before the playoffs even began. But the Broncos did show promise near the end. The whole bringing in Joe Flacco experiment didn't end up paying off the way everyone had hoped. He'll end up still playing a big part for Broncos Nation, most likely helping develop Drew Locke as the next possible franchise quarterback. Denver has a stud back in Philip Lindsay, who's proven time and time again he has what it takes, and has backups with Rolls-Royce Freeman and Devontae Booker there to help him out. Cortland Sutton also emerged as a big-time target throughout the season, as did Deshaun Hamilton from time to time, following the trading of Emmanuel Sanders to the 49ers. The Broncos will also possibly pose as one of the best threats, at least in the AFC, with their defense. Von Miller is still kind of in his prime a little bit, and other guys are starting to step up too. It took some time, but once Vic Fangio got some wins and momentum behind him, the Broncos started to put the pieces together. Currently, they have five picks in the top 100 for the 2020 NFL Draft and 10 picks overall. Those picks, made by Elway and the rest of management, could obviously have big implications going forward. If they fail, major changes will need to be made. But if they find success, 
than the season since Peyton Manning retired. And the last time the Broncos won the Super Bowl will be a thing of the past. Is it going to be that quickly of a turnaround? Probably not. But progress, progress is progress. And after the way the season started for the Broncos, the last month or so had to have been a sight for sore eyes for most of the fans, the players, and the coaching staff. Well, that's it for this edition of Burvey Sports Block. Thanks for tuning in again. I hope you all have a great week and uh, enjoy this week of sports. I know the Daytona 500 is coming up again, so NASCAR is back. Um, there's golf, college basketball. There could still be some trades happening in, in the world of baseball. And then, of course, the NBA All-Star Game and All-Star Break are quickly approaching. So it's going to get interesting, um, especially with college basketball starting to wrap up within the next month or so. But until next time, I'm Mike Burvey signing off. Thanks. Have a great week. Feel free to leave any comments or feedback. It's the only way it's going to get better.